0: Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowee.church. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. Good morning, church. You know, Pastor Chris reminded me this morning as we started this year, we, uh, if you remember, we had a sign that was on uh, kind of stage in, in one of the morning services, and we uh, had the sign that said, welcome to church, and we ended up going and and putting a big slash through the two on that just to make a point. And one of our prayers was that we would uh, really just be reminded and and embrace this reality that as we gather, this building is not the church, but we are the church. And I'm so thankful to gather as the church uh, this morning. I uh, was blessed to see Wayne uh, back singing. I, I love you know you're in the mountains when you have an illustration like I'm like a calf ready to come out of the gate, right? That's a Western North Carolina thing right there, Wayne. I love that, right? We, we, uh, and, and that's kind of how I feel uh, this morning. You know, we're gonna. There's some things that that make us kind of ready like that uh, along the way. I I brought my my wading boots this morning and somebody asked me on the way in because I like to use object lessons. I didn't have one today and they were like, what are those for? What are you going to do with those? And I was like, well, we're going to the river uh, after church and so we're going to be baptized and I'm going to wear my wading boots. But as I got to thinking about that this morning, we're going to talk about hope. Now, that's going to be really a a theme of where we're at this morning, and as we walk through uh, First Peter, if you're just joining us, we uh, like to walk through Scripture just a verse at a time. Uh, Sometimes that's as far as we get in a week. Uh, We'll see how the Lord uh, leads this morning, but as we walk through that, uh, I'm reminded uh, that these boots sort of are, uh, they remind me of hope, Like, because I'm hoping, right, that I go fishing Here in a couple of weeks, I can remember when my little girl was born, we actually named her Hope, by the way, uh, and when the day before she was born, I had my fishing boots and my fly rod and all kind of things uh, leaned up by the door, and I was expectant of two things. I was expecting of her arrival, but probably not that night. And I was expecting to go fishing. And so I would much rather have had her uh, come that night. And, and she did. And and for several years, my focus just really shifted. And so I didn't do much fishing and uh, enjoy doing uh, that when I can and, and looking forward uh, to doing that. But we're going to jump into 1 Peter chapter number one. We're going to begin in verse three. And uh, we're going to just see how far we get uh, this morning, but I want you to think about the word hope. What's our hope in? You know, if you're listening out in the parking lot from your car, you also can tune in on 89.9. Sometimes I hear uh, folks saying it's a little bit harder to hear uh, with traffic and those kind of things, so we are broadcasting over uh, FM radio on 89.9. Uh, nine, those of you that are joining us online, we welcome you. We're so grateful uh, for you being with us. Let's jump in. First Peter chapter one, beginning in verse three. Scripture says this: "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again." to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, Uh, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven uh, for you. Uh, And so we read those verses, and as we think about uh, this word hope, we really are in a time where it seems like there's less and less of that than ever before, that people have less and less Hope. I heard the story of a guy who approached a, a dugout of a little league baseball game and he, he walked in and he kind of stuck his head around the corner and he looked at the little guy and he said, how's it going? What's the score? And the little boy said, well, it's 18 to nothing. And he said, we're down. And the, the old guy looked at him. He said, man, you must be pretty discouraged. And the little boy looked at him. He said, why should I be discouraged? He said, we haven't even got the bat yet. That's kind of how I feel sometimes in the midst of this world, right? We know uh, the end, right? We uh, we know who wins this battle, and we walk in a time where uh, there's so many things coming at us. As Mike prayed in his prayer, it's a time uh, where it seems like uh, there's so much confusion and so much conflict, and so many things uh, that are coming. Uh, At us. I've read a, a quote, not sure where it came from, but it said, human beings can live for 40 days without food, four days without water, and four minutes without air, but we cannot live four seconds without hope. And we're in desperate times, right? We're in desperate times, and we're in desperate need of hope. Hope is something that so many are desperate for, but seems to be in low supply. Now, if you look it up in the Webster Dictionary, you'll see this. It said, hope is something Uh, It says desire accompanied by expectation of or belief in fulfillment. So according to Webster, hope is this desire, right? I have a hope that I'll get to go fishing in the next couple of weeks. I hope that I'm going to do certain things, right? I hope that it doesn't rain. Uh, We hoped this morning that it wouldn't rain, and and it's turned beautiful again. Praise God. We've had, since we've been outside, we've had the most beautiful uh, days, and and it looks like a little rain. Bruce Harwood told me not to worry. He prayed that away earlier, and so I appreciate uh, that so much, but we've been blessed by that. You know, a lot of times, uh, we kind of wondered as it's looked toward the end of the week, but we've really enjoyed that. And as Pastor Ron said, thank you so much for just kind of journeying with us through uh, this time. If you if you if you go in the crossover service, you'll see that it looks like somebody set off a bomb in an AV uh, equipment store, and it's just spread out everywhere. And we continue to work to uh, to add some additional things that we might be able to move back uh, inside and also be able to do an outside service at the same uh, time with, with good quality. And so we're working on some of those things as we speak, and we're going to enjoy a little bit of the cooler weather for a couple more weeks. And uh, and then we're just prayerfully looking at how we can move into a maybe a hybrid model. We want to serve uh, our congregation in the best way that we can, so we hope to be able to offer an inside and outside option. We're kind of connecting on all those things, but we appreciate Uh, you just kind of bearing with us, and really all that we've been missing is air conditioning in these times, and the Lord's given us a little bit more uh, of that in these moments. So we hope that before long we're back inside the church. There's this expectation or this desire for something we have hope in, but I want to tell you the biblical definition of hope is different than that. And I want to give you just kind of a working definition. And it is this a little bit of a change. It's this certain expectation of what God has promised. Now, that's a big difference than the hope that we talk about when I say, I hope I'm going to go fishing or I hope I'm going to do something like that. There's this certain expectation of what God has promised. Now, certainty is the difference between biblical hope and hope defined by Webster. I there's this sense of the unknown when you look at the world's definition of hope and the things that are there. But when it comes to God's definition and the biblical definition of hope, uh, there is a certainty is there. Because our certain hope is because we have a Father who is faithful. We praise Him because of that. First Peter one three says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That blessed is this picture of, of praising. Some of your translations may say uh, exactly those words, praise. Uh, the Father, right? We could read in that way. And in this passage, I'm reminded that in good times we praise the Father, and in difficult times we praise the Father. When we're going through uh, hard times, it doesn't change our praise uh, to Him because He's caused us, the scripture says, to be born again into a living hope. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus' followers have a living hope that's provided by a loving Father. We have a living hope that's been made possible by a loving Father. And we read in this passage and it says that we praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy, there is a reason. And the cause for our new birth is not our good works. It's not the things that we've done. It's not any of those kind of things. It says that we praise Him. And the cause for our new birth is His mercy. We deserve judgment and wrath. We deserve those things. But instead of that, instead of judgment, instead of His wrath, we give. Mercy and grace—that's good news this morning. That should excite us. In our midst, religion says, "Hey, my good outweighs my bad." That's what religion says. Religion says, "I deserve it. My good outweighs my bad. I've been doing these things. I've been—I've been trying to follow God in in these certain ways, and so I deserve it. And God should bless me." But the gospel says something completely different. The gospel says that God has extended grace, and it's grace and mercy. That I don't deserve and so I will bless him. I will bless him. I will praise him in the midst of persecution in the midst of difficult times in the midst of problems in whatever those things are because I've been born again into a living hope. Now if you've been following with us in our reading plan. Uh, We're walking through uh, the Gospel of John, and this past week we were in uh, John's Gospel chapter 3, and uh, if you're not following along with us in that, we encourage you to jump into that and go to cowie.church forward slash disciple. You'll see uh, also daily devos that are there every day that connect with the chapter we're reading, and we just encourage you to just plug in where we're at and just to walk with us as we dig into the Scriptures. It's our heart that we might get into the Scriptures until the Scriptures get in to us, right, that they might change us from the inside out. And we've been reading, and in John chapter 3, we read about a man named Nicodemus, and he came to Jesus by night. And in verse 3 of John chapter 3, Jesus says something to him. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, when Nicodemus would have heard this, he'd have been like, say what? (laughs) how, How can a person be born again? And maybe we hear those words, and scripture says that we've been born again into a living hope. Jesus told Nicodemus, You must be born again. Now, this is not simply turning over a new leaf. The Billy Graham Evangelistic Association defines it this way it says, To be born again is to have the Holy Spirit transform our hearts from indifference and hostility toward God to a love of God and a desire. For righteousness and holiness. Now when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are not made perfect, but we are made new. Right? To be born again, it's essential for salvation. The only way that one can come to be born again and understand and know what it means to be born again is through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus told Nicodemus, says that you must be born again how in the world do you tell if you've been born again I, I have people ask that question sometimes how do i know if i've been born again how do you know that you've been born the first time right? You have life, right? You are here and you are existing. You have life. Can I tell you that the way that you know that you've been born again, and we've been born again into a living hope, and we've been given life as Jesus, right? The the life of a Jesus follower is not, we say this all the time, it's not about us living for Jesus, but it's about Jesus living his life in and through us. And you have life. You're alive. God makes us spiritually alive through faith in Jesus. We are transformed from the inside out. And I want you to know, when I place my faith trust in the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ, December 27th, 2002, God radically changed my life. I was born again into the family of God, and all of a sudden, everything in my life flipped upside down. Everything changed. I want to say something. He gave me a new Warner. I don't know if that's good English, right, but it's good since he gave me a new Warner. All of a sudden, everything in my life began to change. I began to love church. I hated church. Before then, I would go because my wife was pretty. And she went. I mean, that's it. I mean, here, but I, I want you to understand that, that when I came to faith in Christ, all of a sudden I couldn't get enough. Well, in, in chapter two of you know, First Peter, we're gonna see that there's this craving, there's this sincere desire for the milk of the word. I couldn't wait to get in God's word and to learn more about who he is. I had a desire for his. Word, there was new affections in my life. I was changed. Scripture says that if anyone is in Christ, fact fact, that's the verse that was preached the very day that I came to faith in Christ. Was Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5 that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, that old things are passed away and all things become new. And the, the challenge that I heard that day was if there is no change, then there is no Christ. How do you know if you've been born again? Because you have life and you've been changed by the gospel. Scripture says you've been born again to a living hope, and then I love that Peter gives us an understanding of of how that happens, right, and 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 where that uh, comes from, and how and through who that comes from. He says you've been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Jesus is alive, right? There's a tomb in Jerusalem; it's empty, and there's a throne in heaven that's occupied by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I want to declare this morning that He is risen, right? He is risen. What? Indeed, right? We we know that we have a risen Savior. The resurrection is based on historical fact. Peter says this living hope came through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This concrete event. In history, if if you uh, are wondering about the Christian faith and you're saying, you know what, I don't know about all these things, examine the resurrection. There have been many that have wondered and questioned and said, you know what, I'm not sure uh, what to believe. Is the Bible true? All these things, uh, really, the gospel, and as they've examined the resurrection, they have seen the truth. The Guinness Book of World Records says the most successful attorney in history is Sir Lionel Luck, who got his 245th consecutive murder acquittal on January 1st, 1985. That's pretty incredible, right? That's pretty amazing. And nobody's really come close to duplicating this. He's like a real-life Perry Mason. This dude is for real. And I would imagine that he's got incredible mental skills that he's been gifted uh, to be able to really understand what evidence looks like and what uh, is valid evidence versus just kind of random kind of things. But during his own spiritual journey, he began to examine the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He began to to look and say, you know, is this true? Did Jesus really raise from the dead? He took his expertise in law. He took all the things that he knew. And this was his conclusion. And I quote, I say unequivocally that the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof that leaves absolutely no room for doubt. We serve a risen Savior. Peter, who wrote this book, he was evidence of the resurrection. He was an eyewitness of the resurrected Jesus and it transformed him. It changed him from one who denied Jesus to one who shortly after he wrote this letter, who was willing to be crucified upside down, who was crucified for his faith. See, this living hope that we have, it comes through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Jesus followers, we have a living hope that's been made possible by a loving Father, and this living hope comes from our living Lord. Now, Peter writes this book to people that are suffering, people that are walking through difficult times. Uh, One pastor said, hey, if you preach to suffering people, you'll always have an audience, because If I go from car to car and chair to chair, the reality is that probably every family and every person here is walking through something difficult. Either you've just come through a storm or you're fixing to go in a storm. But I want you to know our living hope gives us strength for suffering in the short time. And Peter's writing to these that are in need of hope and encouragement. And our living hope gives strength for suffering in the short time. Peter remembered what it felt like to be on Friday. Peter remembered what it felt like when he denied Jesus. Peter remembered what it felt like when Jesus was crucified. And in hard times, I believe Peter looks at this church and he looks at us. He looks at these, uh, these aliens, these, resident, these these pilgrims that are scattered out all over the place. And I believe he looks at them and he says, you know what? I know what it feels like to be on Friday, but don't lose hope now. Peter says, hey, listen, you're walking through difficult times and things are coming at you that are uh, all around. But he says, don't lose hope now because Sunday is coming. See, our hope is rooted in the resurrection. I used to, uh, I've shared before my dad who's sitting right here, he did something kind of terrible when I was little because he would make me eat spinach and he would tell me that they'd like show me videos of Popeye. You know, and, and he'd have, like, I'd watch Popeye, and, and Popeye had those big old arms and all those kind of things, and he would say, you know what, you need to eat your spinach, son. And I, in my mind, somehow I had hope that I was going to have guns like Popeye right at the end, right? I would eat a bite and look, like eat a bite and flex. Seriously, I mean, I would look because I'm pretty sure it's as bad as that stuff tasted. Some of you young people, you've heard, I, I bet there's some kids out here right now that have heard this, hey, um, as soon as you finish dinner, you can have this dessert. And dessert's always good, right? Hey, somebody, some people are greening They've heard that. It's like, I don't want to eat those chicken livers or whatever else is there. And they say, you know what, they're gross. But the the parent says, hey, but if if you'll hang on for just a minute, uh, there's some some chocolate chip cookies with vanilla ice cream and Reese's cups coming your way. Because the the thing is, you want to finish your meal because when you do that, dessert is coming. I've heard people say, you know what, you need to keep your fork because the best is yet to come, And I want to encourage you this morning, Christian, to keep your fork, because the best is yet to come. We're not looking for our best life here. We're not looking for uh, all those kind of things in these moments. But we know that there is a hope that is way beyond this moment. Maybe maybe you're grieving loss. Maybe you're walking through difficult times from your past. And Saturday is tough, too, right? We, we think about uh, the crucifixion, and we think about Friday, and the tragedy, and, and the, the just the—can you imagine being— the disciples in those moments, can you imagine Peter's thoughts? Can you imagine how it must have felt in those times? Could you imagine on Saturday when confusion had set in, where where, where misery has set in, and the wait sometimes is tough? Can you imagine those Jewish ladies, right? And, and their desire is that they might go and anoint the body of Jesus, right? And they're, they're wanting to go and pay honor and tribute. They're wanting to go and do that. Can you imagine those Jewish ladies, and they're waiting, and they're waiting in obedience by them. Uh, There are several that will be baptized today, and uh, I'm thankful that as we go to the river, there's something beautiful that's taking place. These these believers, these that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, they're declaring to this world something great, and and what they're declaring is this, that I've been born again into a living hope. See, that's what baptism declares. Baptism declares, and it tells the story of. Of the gospel. It tells the story of the gospel. It declares, listen, I've been born again into a living hope. And it says, I want to tell the world about this living hope. When you see, and, and today, if, if you're able to go to the river with us, you'll see baptism being just a beautiful picture of the gospel. Scripture says that you've died and been buried with Christ, right? We read in Romans 6, it pictures this spiritual baptism, but it gives us this beautiful picture of being baptized as a believer, that we have died and been buried with Christ in baptism. The old man is dead, and we've been born again into a living hope. All of our sin, all of our shame has been washed away in Christ. It's not washed away by the water in the Little Tennessee River. Uh, there's nothing magic about the water, right? There's nothing in the water. But we have been uh, washed in the blood of Christ, right? That we have been uh, changed. I got some. I got ADD and a big old sticker on my leg. Um, But I wasn't going to (laughs) fall. some good stuff. But listen, we've been changed by Christ. And there's this picture of being buried with Christ in baptism and then being raised to life in Christ. Jesus shed his blood on Calvary's cross in my place. He rose again as a testimony that God had accepted the sacrifice. We're buried with him in baptism. We're raised to newness of life. And and this newness of life happens as Christ lives his life in and through you. There's this public declaration that will take place today that people say, you know what, I have repented of my sin and placed my faith in Jesus. It's a public declaration of repentance. It's a public declaration that says, you know what, I'm baptized to declare that I am a Jesus follower. And it tells a story. Tells the story of our salvation. It, it it gives a picture of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. And I want to ask you this morning: Have you been baptized biblically after you've been saved? You know, when I came to faith in Christ, December twenty seventh, two thousand two, I'd been baptized or dunked in the water. We'll say prior to that day. But I knew that on December 27, 2002, that that was when I was saved. That's when I was born again and changed by the gospel. I answered a call to preach. I began to, to pastor, began to to, to serve in, in that way uh, as a volunteer among students. And, and God convicted my heart as I studied about baptism, as I was going to preach about baptism, that in the New Testament that what we see uh, in every case on the resurrection of jesus christ we see in every case right when we look at the new testament church in every case it is following a person's conversion it is following them being born again into the family of god and so i want to ask you has there been a time in your life that you have been born again that's the first and most important question a time where you have repented of your sin and repentance is simply a, a word uh, that means a change of mind that results in a change of direction. You're going one direction. Jesus said, unless you repent, you'd all likewise perish. Said, we see Peter preach his powerful sermon uh, in Acts 2, and uh, the Scripture says that the people there were pierced to their heart. And they said, what must we do? And, and Peter declared to them, he said, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We see this picture of repentance, a change of mind, recognizing that we're going our own way, that we're sinful, that there's nothing that we can do to earn our way to heaven. Religion says, hey, I'll earn my way there. I'll do these kind of things. The gospel says that none of us are good enough on our own. And we recognize that we are sinful, that there's none of us that are righteous, not even one. And we we turn and recognize our sin and we turn and go a different direction. It's a change of mind that results in a change of direction. And we believe the gospel. We repent. We recognize our sinful condition. We recognize where we're convicted by the Spirit of God. We turn from our sin and turn to Christ, believing the gospel, believing in the finished work of the cross. And it's simply a, a surrender to say, you know what, I'm no longer going my own way, and I surrender to you as Lord, see, there's there's times that the, the American church has believed the lie that we can ha- have uh, a savior without having a Lord. That we say, you know what? I don't want to go to hell. I don't. I'll I'll pray this prayer after some. I'll do those kind of things. There's been so much of that. But uh, Jesus desires every part of our life. The Scripture says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus as is Lord, that means that He's in charge and not us, and believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead, that we could be saved. This repentance and surrender to a living God saying, God, I am yours. Use me, take me, change me from the inside out. Have you ever been born again? And then the second piece of that is, have you ever been baptized following that time? And so I want to encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today and have not been biblically baptized, I want to encourage you to take that next step. Maybe even today, To to say, you know what, I want to identify with Christ. I'm going to declare to this world that I've been changed by the gospel. Uh, I love to explain and I share so many times with with, uh, folks as we talk about baptism. I have this wedding ring on, and uh, this wedding ring means something. And when I wear it, it declares to the world that I'm what? That I'm married, right? It's pretty easy. It declares the world that I'm married, that that I belong to Sherry, and she belongs to me, that we're married. And if I take this wedding ring off, guess what? I'm still married. And baptism is not uh, a means of salvation. Baptism doesn't save us, but it is a declaration of our salvation. Uh, Just like when I uh, took my vows before the Lord and before a pastor and we signed all these papers, I was married to my wife, and I put on this ring to declare to the world, right? Man, what kind of guy? I mean, she puts up with with me, right? I'm going to wear this and declare to the world that I'm married, right? Then I I, I want to like I want to put a picture of, of her beside of it, right? Because I'm like I'm married to her. Can you believe that? It's crazy. Like God's grace is so good, right? And but I want to declare to the world, and I'm proud. And baptism is like that. It's a picture of the gospel, a picture of what's happened to us on the inside. And we declare that to the world. And I want to encourage you to do that. And if you're this this ring represents a relationship. It represents a relationship between me and my wife. It represents the reality uh, that we are married. And if I'm a single person and I put this on, that's weird. Because the reality is, without a relationship, this ring means nothing. means absolutely nothing. But with a relationship with my bride, this ring declares so much. And if you've never been biblically baptized, if you've never taken that next step, really the first step of obedience. Sometimes people say, "You know what? I, I don't know about being baptized. I'm kind of I, I I I know that I'm a Christian. I've placed my faith in Jesus. I've uh, I've surrendered to Christ, but I don't know about that." And a lot of times people say, "Well, you know I'm not ready." And then there's a blank right there. There's there's that little moment where it says, "You know what? I, I know that I'm a Christian. I know that I've been saved, but I'm not ready." And, and I think the ready has to be after that blank. You, maybe you can fill in all kind of things like I'm not sure I can live it. You can't. Not on your own. There's a Baptism is a declaration of that, that there's no way that I can do this on my own. But then I'm being buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life as Christ lives his life in and through me. But really, whatever the excuse is at the end of that basically says this. I'm not ready to be baptized. And the blank is because I'm not ready to be obedient to Christ because... It's a command of our Lord to walk in obedience, and really our very first step of obedience in Him publicly declaring that we have been born again into a living hope through a loving Father, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, through a, from a living Lord. And our living Lord desires to be Lord over every area of our life. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you've never placed your faith in Christ, if you've never surrendered to Jesus, that you might recognize that the Spirit of God might convict your heart, even in these moments. And you might say, you know what, I'm tired of going my own way. And I turn from my sin and I turn to Christ and I surrender. Really, it's this picture of just uh, uh, bowing before him and saying, Lord, I am yours. I surrender all that I am, all that I have, God, however you can use me, God, I am yours. I want to encourage you. Even in these next moments to do that. If you're a believer and you've never taken that next step of baptism, I want to encourage you. Uh, we're going to go to the river here in just a few minutes uh, and, and take that next step. Maybe even today if God speaks to your heart. I I I'd, I'd encourage you to go home wet and obedient um, this morning if you've never followed Jesus. And God blesses obedience. He blesses us as we walk in obedience to him And if those of you are thinking, you know what, I can't do this, there's no way I can live it, then you are in a perfect spot to receive Christ and to say, you know what, you can't live it. There's nothing you can bring, but Jesus has lived it for you. He's lived a sinless life, and he gives us the gift of his spirit. Jesus on the inside transforms us. I want to pray for us. So if you'll bow your head and close your eyes. We're coming just to a a close uh, in our service, and maybe you're here Maybe you're you're in a vehicle. Maybe you're watching online, and you would just be honest and say, you know what, there's never been a time in my life where I've been born again. There's never been a time in my life where I've been made alive by the Spirit of God living in me, where my life has been changed by the gospel. But this morning, God is speaking to my heart, and I desire to follow Christ. I desire to turn from my sin, to repent of my sin, and to surrender my life to Christ. I believe God is speaking to me this morning. If that's you, uh, wherever you're at, whether you're online, whether you're in this parking lot, there's nothing magic uh, about the words of a prayer. It's the condition of our heart. It's repentance and faith in Christ. But we communicate that uh, so many times through a prayer, just a prayer of repentance, declaring Jesus as Lord, And I want to encourage you, just in your own words, even in these moments, to call on his name, to confess to him that you are a sinner, that there is, uh, that you could do nothing to earn your way into his presence. There's nothing you could do to be good enough, but confessing that Jesus in our place lived a sinless life, died a death that we deserved and raised to new life. in he rose from the grave that day, And that, that we, through believing and identifying with Christ and that way, surrendering our lives to him, we too can be buried with him. The old man can, can be buried with him and raised to newness of life, to be saved and transformed by the Spirit of God from the inside out. Maybe you're here this morning and that's you calling his name, saying, Lord Jesus I confess that I'm a sinner. I I know that I deserve your wrath and your judgment, but instead, through the cross of Christ, I'm offered mercy and grace. And this morning, I surrender my life to you. I confess that you are Lord, and I no longer want to go my way, but I want to trust you. I surrender my life to you. Lord, save me, change me, transform me from the inside out. And allow me to live my life for you as you live your life through me. Jesus,